in Healy. How are you doing? I'm good, Dale. Good to see you. Yeah, you too. Thanks for driving down. I'm getting quite used to it. Last two or three podcasts, people have come to the house, you know, which has been great. So stoked you uh, made the drive down. How's things? Things are good, you know, just doing the work thing and kids and just busy, you know, every weekend. Where are you living at these days? I'm in Irvine. Irvine. Yep. Still a good spot, isn't it? Um, but when you started BMX, and, and we're gonna, we'll get we'll, we'll we'll get into that now. Um, you was Simi Valley, weren't you? Somewhere over there. Yeah, I, I grew up in uh, Canyon Country, which is a division of Santa Clarita Valley. And yeah. Simi Valley was about 20, 30 minutes away, and that was the closest track, so I used to go there to practice. How did you uh, discover BMX? You know, my dad, um, he had a bike shop business who he opened a year before I started riding mm -hmm. and just happened to be, there was a local track by my house. My next door neighbor used to race. So I kind of used to tag along with him. Mm -hmm. So I was like, hey dad, give me a bike. And I just got started and, uh, you know, pretty humble beginnings, you know, like paper plate, full face with no visor, baseball pants, just kind of putting whatever I can find together yeah. to ride. But uh, yeah, that's how I got started. Who did you, um, anybody you like come across that we might know to start with or? You know, the, the guy, when I first started, I was uh, six or seven. The, the guy that was always on everyone's target was Ryan Krupe. Okay, He yeah. was like the number one yeah. national rank guy. And so he was definitely the guy I had to beat. And his dad was Krupe, right? Obviously, yep, yeah, that's yeah. right, that's right. So he was like the first, he was Simi, Simi Valley as well. Uh, I don't think he grew up in Simi Valley, he's somewhere, but I kind of saw Ryan Krupe once I got, a, I started winning some local races, mm -hmm. state races, and then at the nationals, I would see Ryan Krupe. So okay. I was riding for my dad's bike shop team, Canyon Bicycles, and uh, I, I ended up beating Ryan as a local bike shop kid. Oh, wow. And that's how I got noticed by CW, and that's how I met Jason Dunnell and George Seavers, you know. From so, so how long was it till you got on CW? I think it was about two years. Yeah. So I got I turned expert probably like nine months into racing. So I kind of naturally was doing pretty good, and then started going to nationals uh, within that first year. And then that second year um, is when uh, I got in contact with CW. So who was on the team then? You just say JD. Yeah. So it was Jason Dunnell, George Severs, Robert McPherson. Oh yeah. Like Sean Texas. Wow. A bunch of guys, but uh, I mean, it was kind of like. You know, the local kid, you know, looking up to these factory riders and just, you know, being in all of them, right? It was kind of like uh, just wanting to talk to them and just, I was just so honored that they would want to even get to know me. You yeah. Know? And like Townsend, right? Eric Carter? Yeah. T uh, yeah. At some point, uh, Charles Townsend, Eric Carter. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Justin Green. What a team. That CW team was, was stacked. Was you bigger than everybody in your age group? That's why you'd like, I, I think the first... Um, I'd seen, I think, 85 Worlds. Was that your first, like, international? I think 87 Worlds. Uh, Orlando. Orlando. You didn't go to Canada in 85? No. Okay, so obviously was... I saw Orlando. Yeah, you, yeah. You, like I was going to say, you look bigger than everybody. Yeah, Yeah. I, yeah. I think early on I was about a foot taller than everyone. Right. right? So I, I think for me, I had a pretty big growth spurt earlier on, and I kind of capped out when I got to high school. And so by that time, everyone was bigger than me. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I remember I was a lot bigger and stronger and just had good, you know, straightaway power. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I remember <laughs> at that time when, when I beat Ryan and, and, and uh, he, there was some controversy there because they thought that I was, like, lying about my age. Because, oh, okay. <laughs> that was, used to happen a little bit back in the day, even in England. Yeah, because yeah, I was yeah. bigger than everybody. Bigger. And, I, yeah. and I remember I explained to everybody that in, in, I was born in Korea, so yeah. Korea. In Korea... The minute you're born, they count that. The counting system is a little bit different. They count that as one. Right. So one time you hit your first birthday, they actually count that as two. Okay. So I was trying to explain that to Ryan, and Ryan took that to the officials and like oh, really? started reporting, "Hey, this guy's lying about his age." Wow. <laughs> so there was a huge controversy about that. But I was, "Hey, you want to see my birth certificate?" Yeah. You know, I was, you know, I was born at the right time. So 
but because I was beating him and it came out of nowhere, I think that really shocked him. Yeah, you know? yeah. And how? Who else? Who else would you start battling then? When you let's say you started winning stuff straight away. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, as long as I can remember, like Corky Gainsford was okay. always there. Uh, Shout out to Corky, all those videos he posts. Oh yeah, <laughs> but, but his videos. Yeah, I don't think anyone even know who I who I am. Yeah. Back, who we didn't race back then. But, right. Uh, like Mikey Hayek. Yeah. Hayek. Trishy Daly. Mm-hmm. And then as I got a little bit older, like Ryan Vanderveen, like you know a lot of a lot of guys. I mean, I, I felt like our expert class was pretty stacked. There yeah, a lot of good riders back then. Do you remember much about that Orlando Worlds, or you probably so young? Yeah, I remember. Um, yeah, riding on CW uh, and just you know just being so excited mm -hmm. and nervous, but didn't really know what to expect. And then uh, I kind of just rode my race and I won. You know, and uh, um, yeah, it wasn't never like a goal of mine to win a world championship or be number one, but I, just, I felt like it just kind of happened, you know? Yeah, then, yeah. Uh, I remember even, I remember the one thing I do remember is like going up for that trophy ceremony and like the spotlights on you and nervous. I like, almost knocked the trophy over and right. like, <laughs> crashed into the ground, but uh, it, it was a lot of fun. It's a great world to win, I'm sure, you yeah, know, seeing yeah. the, the videos and everything that's still talked about a lot. And then, you know, on, on top of it, we'll talk about the US stuff as well, but you started appearing regular at the Worlds, you know, you know you've got a, I think I'm looking at your thing here, seven times world champion. I remember seeing you in uh, Norway, you came to uh, France with the big doubles. Yep. So what do you remember about those world championships? Yeah, France was a lot of fun, right? 90 I mean, uh, or 91, I think yeah, it was. Yeah, 1990, yeah. right? And then uh, I remember, yeah, those big doubles in that second shit was so intimidating. Like, yeah. like a lot of the older amateurs weren't really jumping it. And so I remember I was like, Okay, I know I got to just You were part of one of the youngest guys, right? Yeah, 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 no one in my class was doing it, but I was right. like, if I want to win this race, I know I got to push myself. I always had a, a, a good way to kind of motivate myself and push myself. Yeah. And so I remember doing it, and after a couple of times, I started winning the rounds. Like other guys in my group were started to do started it. Started to do it, but yeah, I mean, talk about just going all at it, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Full speed and just pulling up as yeah. hard as you possibly can. Oh, I bet like three pair of forks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was that was a fun race. And then uh, I won cruiser that year, and then um, I I slipped my pedal in my in my twenty inch main, mm -hmm. and then I, I I was in the back of the pack, and I caught up, mm -hmm. uh, and then I, I almost passed him at the line, but ended up kind of sitting down at the end because I was so disappointed I didn't win. Yeah, and I got passed, and I ended up getting third. Oh, now who won? Do you remember? Uh, it was a guy from Chile, uh, uh, Romalfo. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. He won quite a few races yeah. back then. Yeah, yeah. And then to to Jacqueline, add, Jacqueline Romalfo. Yeah, Jacqueline, yeah, Joaquin. Yeah, Jacqueline. yeah, yeah. And then at insult to injury during my. My, my trophy ceremony, my, my 20 inch bike got stolen. Oh. <laughs> like, so it was just kind of like a bad. Uh... Anybody in France has listened to this, keep an eye out for it. <laughs> Probably on some vintage old school site now, That's you right. know. That's right. Uh, there was a fast French guy that, you, that, that um, I think you had you know numerous battles with, and I think he came out to the Grands a couple of times. Um, Florent. Florent Poussin, yeah. Yeah, 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 I remember him. Yeah, he was, he was tough. I mean, I remember every Worlds, he was always like one of the top guys. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, you know, definitely had some good battles with him. Um, you know, we didn't really talk much because there was a little bit of language barrier, but yeah. I think we always respected each other. Yeah, yeah. And uh, always knew that we were going to be in the mix to get the title. Yeah, no, I remember seeing you guys say it was, it was, there was GT and there was, you know, in Europe it was Sun. Yeah. You know, and, and like you guys would always go head to head. And then uh, I think the the world's in Norway, you was there, right? I think you crashed, right, in the main? Yeah, uh, it was one of those races where like I dominated through the, the qualifiers, mm -hmm. semis, all the way to the main. And then in both mains, um, I wasn't known to get the best starts, uh -huh. you know, throughout my years, but um, I got I got a little bit of bad start, but I, I could make it up on my second, third pedal. But I think by the time the mains came around, two guys next to me just 
got in front of me and just cut over. It was on a me. tight for a straight one. Too. Yeah, and I crashed before the first jump in both mains. That was just like uh, the most devastating experience that I had. <laughs> yeah, because I thought I was gonna win. Yeah, not to worry. I'm sure more would come as they did. Um, I guess talk about so so. I'm, I'm kind of jumping all over the place. So CW. And then you got picked up by GT, or how did that work? Did like GT want you while you was on CW? Yeah, so I rode for CW for a couple of years after you know my dad's bike shop team, and then mm -hmm. so Jason and I were about a year apart. Yeah, um, and then but my birthday would be in August, and so we would race a couple times before the end of the year. Yeah. And the 87 Grands, ABA, Oklahoma, and I think I've heard Jason talk about this on on your podcast before mm -hmm. too, but. Um, and it was always like our team was so stacked that, you know, whenever Jason and I would race, it was sort of understood that we would kind of maintain our positions and not be ultra aggressive with each other. So either of you could win, but just don't take the other guy out. Yeah, because yeah. obviously we're thinking about trying team to win points. the team title yeah. and all that stuff. So I, 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 good, I got all that and, and I was good with the kind of team concept. But yeah. at the same time, there was an inner desire of me to like to win the race, get mm -hmm. number one age group and sort of prove that I could kind of compete with the best. Yeah. So during the 87 Grands, I think it was like the third turn, uh, maybe the one before the last, and Jason left a little window open and I kind of took the inside. Mm -hmm. We nudged a little bit and Jason had going over the berms and crashing. Mm -hmm. And I won the race, but I ended up getting disqualified. Oh. So, so basically, <laughs> we got seventh and eighth. Instead we, of first we, and second. First and second, yeah. and we lost team points. And I felt horrible about it because obviously it was never my intention to take out Jason. Right. I just wanted to, you know, race and just do the best they possibly could. Yeah. And I remember Jason being very upset. I was very upset. And there was a really awkwardness mm -hmm. between our family and, and Danelle's. And mm -hmm. like Jason mentioned, it was all over like the magazines and people were like criticizing me about how I could take out my teammate. And Dorothy Donnell was the one actually came, like, kind of wrote to the magazines, hey, these are good people. Yeah, that's nice. They know nothing was intentional. Like, don't be criticizing them like that. So mm -hmm. yeah, I really appreciated that. Yeah. And, and Jason and I, I think, looking back at it, obviously, we were young kids and yeah. we didn't know any better. And we always had a good relationship. We still do it today. Good, yeah. good. And, and then so, so when that happened, Mike Seavers, the very next year, ended up becoming the team manager at GT yeah. with George. And so then Mike knew what was kind of the, the conflict was, yeah. that was going on between me and Jason. Yeah. So he asked me to come, and that's how I ended up going to GT, and then was there for, you know, 12, 13 years. Wow. That, yeah. How was it getting on GT at the time? Oh, it was it was fun. I mean, CW was really stacked at the time, but when GT came together, we had a really good team, too. I mean, back then, it was only like five or six riders, but we're talking like Mike Luna, David Noham, Gary was on the team, obviously. Kevin Royal. Justin Green. Yeah, Kevin was a little bit later, but during that, like, the, the early years, uh -huh. I, think I remember just, it was me, Mike, David, and... Uh, Reyes. Justin, yeah, yeah. Reyes came later, too. But, yeah, a lot, saw a lot of great riders come through, and GT had so many different mm -hmm. teams, right, that with Paralyte and Robinson. We, they were just moving people around. If you were, like, if you did good on Robinson, you eventually got promoted to GT. Yeah, you know, yeah. Paralyte. Did you travel a lot with Danny? Because, obviously, he was over by your way. Yeah. So, yeah. I used to travel with Danny all the time because uh, he was in Simi Valley. I was in uh, Santa Creta Valley, and so we would fly out of Burbank. So every yeah. race, it was us and the Nelsons. You know? Yeah, yeah. So Danny cool. and I would, would go, and he was a couple years older than me. He'd always kind of teaching me how to do things or <laughs> did you ride with him at the track oh yeah a little bit yeah, yeah definitely uh we, we practiced together and um, um i remember when danny was making the transition to pro like mm. i was helping him kind of with his you know his gait form because yeah. he was he was very powerful yeah but he wasn't known to like get out of the gates really quick so i used to kind of videotape him and, and give him kind of my thoughts i think he said that and he said that that's one of the main things he changed wanted his gates or something yeah when he, when he turned yeah because it was kind of like a combination of being a pull up your front wheel and getting that thrust and so i, I yeah. kind of just 
pointed things that I saw, and yeah. you know, I don't know if that helped him or not, but yeah, well, it definitely did. He <laughs> had a pretty good, pretty good run at uh, pro. So let's talk about maybe some of the you're on GT, some of the amateur stuff. Um, I mean, you just got bags. I'm looking at your resume here, just national number ones in cruiser, ABA records. So yeah, tell us a little bit about some of these these big wins and what you remember as an amateur on GT. Yeah. Um... You know, I did pretty good both in 20-inch and cruiser, but I did naturally do a lot better in cruiser for whatever reason. Maybe just the bigger bike and yeah. just more of a comfort level. But um, obviously the back-to-back -back, uh, national number one cruiser titles, 90-91, was a big highlight for me. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, I didn't even know, but I remember one time Gork sent me like a, a mailing and you know, all the records and stuff. And he like like highlighted that I won six years in a row for age group. and Wow. Which was news to me because I never really kept track of all that stuff. Right. Um, and then, but yeah, Cruiser was always kind of like my, my go-to for, you know, mm -hmm. at, at the Worlds, at, at Nationals. And so um, I remember just, you know, being able to do really well in that in that class. And you guys on the GT team, you, you guys made money as well, right? In the team event and stuff. So you yeah. Guys get... Yeah. So yeah, whenever we would win as a team, you know, we might get like 400, 500 bucks. And so over many, many years. Yeah. By the time I got to Alaska, I think I, I, think I had like 15,000 or 20,000. That's good. Yeah. It's good enough to buy myself my first car. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Uh, but uh, yeah, we, we definitely didn't get paid directly, but through like you get, you know, free bikes and clothes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we with GT and right way, we can like kind of like, Similar to other factor riders, we can kind of go in and yeah. shop shopping cart and just yeah yeah. A lot of want. guys have talked about the shopping yeah. cart. Yeah, the, we were sponsored by LA Gear at one point. Yeah, and so a lot of cool sponsors like Amy Griffs and you know Zero Nine and, and just a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. but, but yeah, it was fun getting free stuff and just you know kind of showing off to your friends at school. Yeah, what uh, you, you said earlier, Mikey Hayek. When I first came out in the in the early nineties, I, I I would watch all you guys, you know and. I, you and Mikey Hayek had some good battles, didn't you? Yeah. I yeah. like that guy, guy had a good sling. He kind of, well, when I was working out, this, you know, I got to do the slingshot. He was one of the guys I, I looked at. He yeah. had a really good gait, didn't he? Yeah, Mikey and I battled mm. as long as I can remember. Um, and uh, he was definitely a tough competitor. He was smooth. He, mm -hmm. he, had, he had a swag about him, right? Just, yeah, like, yeah. Just, I think he still does, right? Yeah, he still does. Kind of cocky, like rose people the wrong way. But he and yeah. I were really good friends. Yeah, he's off, a funny dude. Off the track. So yeah. we would battle on, on the track. But yeah. Off the track, um, you know, we were great friends, mm -hmm. and so I think other writers kind of didn't really like him too much. But right. I had no problem with him. Mm. I actually saw Mike at, at uh, his place. Uh, his, you know, his, he has a beauty and, and photo. Yeah, yeah. Every time I look, he's doing something different. Yeah, I saw him yeah, a couple yeah. months ago. He had yeah. the same, same. He's a kinda, photographer, right? Yeah, well, yeah. I think he started as a photographer. Yeah. But now he's kind of branched off into like makeup. Okay. And, like, it's all like the Hollywood stuff. Yeah, produ that one producing like yeah. music videos and such. It was, yeah. it was pretty impressive. But I got to hang out with him. I haven't seen him in years. But same, mm. same Mike. Yeah. Is. No, I talked to him a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Phoenix or something. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a fun guy to listen to, you know. Yeah, but yeah, he definitely. I know he had some success uh, in, in the pro class, mm. uh, and then before he hurt his back. Yeah. But he and I battled. So like, when I saw guys like Mikey Hayek and Randy Stumphauser, who I used to compete. Obviously, Stumpy. Yeah, you battled with him. With. Yeah. So when I took that break when I went to college, and yeah. I saw these guys doing really well, it kind of you know motivated me to try to get back into yeah, it. Yeah, Alexis so, as well, right? Yeah, Alexis. Uh, but uh, definitely. Uh, when you see guys that you're familiar with doing well, it makes you think, hey, what what can I do? I want to give this a shot. So I did try that. Yeah. And another guy you probably probably think the same is is Robert DeWild. So maybe, I know Robert talked about it on his podcast. I don't know if you listened to it. I he did, talked yeah. about the battle with you in 
93, the world's in Holland. So give us your take on it then. Now, obviously, you probably had no idea who he was, did you? I really, I really didn't. Because mm. I mean, yeah. I, was, I think I was kind of the, the, the writer to beat at mm. that Holland's net, uh, World Championships. Yeah. And I had one kind of throughout the weekend. So there was no one really to kind of mm -hmm. push me or challenge me. And then obviously I knew Alexis, but a lot of these sport writers, you don't really know their names. You don't really know the reputation or kind of what titles they've won. Yeah. But I remember, yeah, Alexis was on the outside lane. I was in the inside lane and I got on that first jump. And then I kind of did move over a little bit to kind of to t take a wider angle. And yeah. then out of nowhere, Robert just popped out. Yeah, on the inside, like, yeah. Who is this it guy? Is this this guy, yeah. giant guy. Yeah. And uh, I thought for sure I could pass him because I, I felt like I had enough power to pass him. But yeah. his track was so soft. Yeah. And he was hugging the corner so good. Mm -hmm. I just kept getting close and close, but I couldn't get around him. And so he won. And, uh, um, you know, we, we, we didn't have, like, we didn't really talk much. Right. But I remember I went up to him and I kind of congratulated him during, like, the award ceremony. Yeah. And he said something, something to the effect of, like, Oh, next year I'm gonna beat you again at the oh. <laughs> at the World Championship. And yeah. I think he and I got together, like you know, we talked about. It. He goes, "No, yeah. I don't remember saying that. Right. And I think I meant to say something different." But right. I, was like, I took it like, "Yeah, I beat you this time, and you get I'm gonna beat year. you again." So I was like so upset, and I was right. so motivated that next year to. And you sure double the next year, right? And, I, and then I won 20 inch and cruiser in Waterford Oaks, Michigan World Championships. But uh, it turns out Robert was like, you know, a really nice guy, but yeah, just he comes off a little. Yeah, yeah, you gotta know. Him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, so yeah, Waterford Oaks '94, great World Championships. I yep. think even if you look back now at the videos and and the footage, the track, and just like that long first straight, um, and even Robert said it. He said you were just on it there, right? Yeah. I was kind of having a down year because I knew that was my last full-time year racing because I was, I was going to uh, UC Irvine for college in 94, end of that, that 94 season. Mm -hmm. And so I was having kind of an off year and then like Randy was dominating, some positives dominating the entire year. But mm -hmm. knowing that it was my last world, I think I had a little extra motivation and, and push. But he ended up winning both races. Randy got second in Cruiser, mm -hmm. barely held him off. He was like, you, you know, coming down the line with me. And then uh, 20 inch, I had lane eight, got a, one, like, one of the great starts of my life. And yeah. just like, there was a little bit of tanglement with between second and you know third or fourth, fifth. And I rode that first turn and I was gone. Yeah. And I won by like, you know, like 10 bike lanes. Or something that, like that first straight was so long. I think it didn't matter what lane you had, you yeah. know, lane eight was probably, yeah, yeah. okay. Remember that, remember that race, the challenge was that first big kind of step up jump that you had to kind of, you know. Got that, got me. Yeah. I made it to the main and I had, Lane seven, no, I think I had lane eight in the main as well. And I'm like, okay, I don't think I can win this, but I think I can get third or fourth maybe. Yeah. But that goddamn first jump. Yeah. And every time, one time I'd get it, one time yeah. I'd bonk it. One time, and, yeah. and the main I bonked it. Yeah. You know? So if you get it smooth, like yeah. you're off and running. If yeah. You, if, you, if you tag it or, or jump off it, like you're, you're kind of. Yeah. Kinda very That's good why position. Danny did so good there. He, yeah. he had that first jump. If yeah. you watch um, uh, any of the pro racing with, with, with Danny Nelson, who yeah. obviously won for the ones that don't know, yeah. if you watch Danny over that first jump, he just got it and pedals on yeah. the backside. He was good at pulling up for that stuff. Yeah, and I, I was not known for being a good manualer, but like I think in that mm. race, I just pulled up as hard as I can, kind of like that like yeah. fast race, just, just give it all you got yeah. and see what happens. <laughs> Great race to double at though, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So that was your last full year, was it? That was my last full year. Uh, and then uh, I started college in 94. So from 94 to 96, <laughs> Uh, I did race a little bit of A Pro. Mm -hmm. um, at that time, you know, um, Rich Long was still in charge, and GT was was in <coughs> full support. So, I had kind of like a, almost I felt like I had almost like a, like a lifetime contract sponsorship. or sponsorship with GT, 
And Rich was like, hey, even if you're going to college, like you know, as long as you need us, we'll, we'll be here to support you. And so yeah. I had the full support of GT even during 94, 96. I was going to school full time and racing just kind of the local races where I, the ones I could drive to, like the Del Mars. The yeah, Vegas. yeah. And I'll hit maybe like a handful of races and a year. And you still did good, I remember, yeah. Yeah, April, I was doing yeah. good. I mean, at that time, I remember like Cor Cor me and Corker, he was at Stanford, I was at UC Irvine, we were racing. I remember like Cecil Johns, Terry Tanette. Yeah. Uh, so there were some pretty big names in there. So I did good during the, the races I did. And then and you was riding with spins on, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me and Corker both were riding spin, spin wheels. Yeah, yeah, I remember. And then 96, that was kind of like my junior year in college where like, you know the school work was getting a little bit heavy so i wanted to focus more on school mm -hmm. so i kind of quit completely in 96 but i didn't race for about a good five years until i finished school and then i kind of got back into it did you when you was gone at school was you keeping tabs on bmx so you just kind of lost in not lost interest but just kind of yeah i mean a little bit i mean like during that time i was kind of just when the internet was kind of starting off right so it wasn't yeah. like a good way to kind of keep track there was no social media or right. anything like that but um i think when i was in school i think i focused on school just trying to get everything i can from that experience and yeah. hanging out with friends and just, you know, doing this typical college stuff. Yeah. Um, but I would hear once in a while, like, you know, Randy won and, you know, Mike won. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Like, like, oh, man, I should have stuck oh, around. Man. <laughs> I should keep doing it. But um, I think by the time that I went to college, you know, you know, having raced from age like six or seven all the way to like early 20s, I was a little bit burnt out just mm -hmm. because the schedule was so tough and just that routine of it all. I, I wanted to kind of make a clean break and just, just get the full experience of college. And yeah. So I didn't really uh, look at it too much. Did you all like, when you were at college, like partying and all that stuff? Uh, I, I mean, I wasn't a big partier, but I, uh. I was probably a little bit of a late bloomer. Like in high school, I was a pretty good kid. Never really yeah. got into trouble. Didn't really drink or do any of that stuff. And then when I went to college, definitely more of that stuff's around you. So there's more opportunity. But I think yeah. I definitely socialized and tried out all, all these different social clubs and mm -hmm. just met everyone and anyone I could. And, yeah. you know, and, and But every time I would meet someone, like BMX would always come up. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so the local uh, college, UC Riverend Paper, would do it, did a whole article on me my freshman year. We went to Orange Y, did a photo shoot, and it was like, oh, like freshman year, like this freshman in incoming kid. Right. And so everyone's like, oh, I saw you in the school paper, you're that BMX kid. So, right, that's cool. So BMX is definitely always comes up in conversation. Yeah. Whether it's, like, whether it's school or work or mm -hmm. randomly people. Even so, now it does, Even I'm now, sure, for yeah. sure. It's such a big part of my life. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what gave you the urge to get back into it? Like I say, GT was still helping you when you came out a little bit. Yep. When did that actually come to end, when GT came to an end? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 96, uh, I, I was actually doing an international portion in Korea. Okay. Uh, studying abroad for the summer. And 96 is when Rich Long passed away, yes. right? And so I remember I got a call uh, from my mom, and then she told me the news that Rich Long passed away. And I was in the, like, the, the phone booth, you know, because we didn't have cell phones back then. Right. And I remember just being so devastated. I, I like, just started crying immediately and I kind of fell to the ground and I was just mm -hmm. like I couldn't believe it because you know mm -hmm. Rich was like a father figure to me and yeah he treated me with such respect and love and I always appreciated that that he was so supportive and so I was in my summer program and I wasn't finishing for another month or so but immediately when I heard the news I booked a flight ticket back mm -hmm. to make sure I attend the funeral mm -hmm. because I didn't want to miss that so I came back for that and then I went back to Korea oh, well. to finish up my summer program but um, yeah, that was a kind of a big turning point. But when that ended, you know, the, with the whole GT Changed started started in. changing a little bit, right? Yeah. The, kind of the, the management and with the whole GT going public and just a lot of different. So I, I kind of felt like that was the 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 transition point where I felt like okay, maybe GT was kind of coming to an end. Yeah. 
And so I kind of let that go. So when I got back into it in 2001, that's when I contacted Free Asian KHS and mm-hmm. started asking if I could have some kind of small sponsorship. Yeah. Did you already have a connection with them through your dad's shop and stuff? Yeah, I think that's how I initially yeah, got in yeah. contact with my dad. Had obviously knew all the distributors, you know, and knew all the salespeople. And yeah. So I think he put me in touch with Wen, and then um, I remember I met one just like this in front of him, kind of giving yeah. my resume, yeah, kind of introducing myself and telling him what I've done and who I am. Yeah. And Vince was there. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and so he's okay. Yeah, we'll sponsor you. You know, whatever you need, bikes, you know, clothes. We'll take you to a few races. And it was mm-hmm. just a, it wasn't like it was there was no money involved. Right, um, but I went to that Del Mar National, the Fall Nationals. I think it was two thousand one, and I mm. won one day, got second the other day. That's good. And then I was practicing, and then I was supposed to go to the Grands that year. Mm-hmm. And my my thought was, okay, if I do really well and show some results, maybe I could transition to Double A and yeah. still be sponsored by Free Asian yeah. and get a bigger mm-hmm. deal. And then the night before I was supposed to fly for the Grands, Oklahoma City at Whittier Narrows, I was practicing. I was supposed to meet my parents for dinner. After like a couple hour lap, mm-hmm. Kim Boza was there, okay. a good friend of mine, and, and she wanted to meet. She wanted to get some help on that on the last section. Yeah, and I was already done. I was ready to leave, and I was like, "Okay, Kim, I'll, I'll show you how to do it." I put the helmet back on, clipped in for the first time. Obviously, during this time, I wasn't clipped in prior to this. And right, I took a, a, the rhythm section kind of overcleared the second one. And by the time I had the third one, I was completely over my bars and landed on flat bottom uh, from like 15 feet high. Uh, Ended up breaking both arms, concussion, and jacked up my knee. So obviously I had a ticket to fly out to Oklahoma the next morning. Obviously I didn't make that flight. I called Vince and I told him, hey, I just had, took a big crash during a practice lap. I'm not going to make it. So that kind of changed the whole trajectory of my potential double yeah, pro career. Because I, I really wanted to focus on it. Like, hey, I took a five-year break from college, but now that I've seen all these guys do have success Motivated you to get back in it, yeah. I was going to get back in it. I had a, I had a sponsorship, mm-hmm. and I, I want to put some results in it, and then that freak accident happened. Never had a, had a crash like that where I broke multiple bones mm-hmm. and, and had to do CAT scan. I had to go see a cardiologist. Oh my, my God. heart rate dropped to like 50 beats per minute. And so that really it shook me up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I've had crashes before, but never like that, being clipped in. And then I remember... My parents just kind of telling me like, please stop writing. You know, yeah. like, you're gonna kill yourself. <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, I missed that race. And I think I, I I think it took me like six months to heal. And then I, I and then I got back into it and tried to practice orange. And I crashed again. My chain popped off and jacked my shoulder. So after that, I was okay. Maybe this is not meant right. to be. But yeah, I was I was ready to go full uh, throttle. Yeah, it's a shame because you know, like say your them guys in your class, all of them did did really well. Obviously, yeah. Stumpy, Robert. Absolutely, you yeah. Know, two of the two of the greatest dudes, really. You know, yeah. so yeah, I, I always felt like I, I had the potential. Who knows what my mm. my pro career would have been like? But I felt like I had the potential and I had the motivation. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> at that time, you know, I knew I had to kind of up my level of trading. So I actually contacted Christophe Levesque during that. Oh, okay, time. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I contacted him and I was like, "Hey, you know, can you train me? Like, can you show me what you know? Because I want to." You know, obviously he was like the the, yeah, the, the bar, guy. right? He was the guy that was like just blowing everyone away. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, he had a couple of practice sessions with me, kind of working on my techniques on jumping and kind of keeping tucked in and, and being a little more aerodynamic. Yeah. Um, and so I, I was, yeah, I was willing to kind of talk to and get help from anybody, but Christoph mm. was very um, 
gracious to kind of like, yeah, say, that's really whatever, nice. Whatever you need, like, he didn't share you. much with many people, you know. Yeah. So, but I think I had his respect, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I respected him, and you know, I haven't got one of his old Sun Chippy jerseys. That I, <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> so, throw yeah, that he, on eBay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I sent the picture to him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's he's always been a good guy. And yeah. He, he was a guy that really impressed me when I first saw him in France. He would have followed you obviously with all the worlds and stuff. You see, that's where you came on to onto our radar. We didn't even talk about you won the Worlds again in 89 as well in, in Australia. Yep, yep. I won uh, a 20-inch in Australia. Who'd you beat? Be, anybody remember or any fast uh, horses? Did you race Daniel Sprague? I know Jason did. Daniel was one year older than me. Okay. I, never really, I raced him kind of in open format, but yeah. not, not in class. Mm-hmm. I think I remember like like a, maybe like a West Sear okay. was one of the guys, but there, there wasn't that many Americans, I don't remember, in no. Australia. So you won that pretty easy. Yeah. In the world, I, I kind of felt like I, I was pretty like laser focused. I didn't really care who the competition was, whether right. it was like a US rider or a foreign rider. Like I say, you was one of the probably American riders that tapped into the worlds before a lot of other people. Americans, you know, we've spoke about it with numerous guys who've done podcasts. Uh, they didn't really understand or care too much for the worlds till till later. But like I yeah. say, the, the GT guys and, and you guys that kept coming back to Europe for the worlds, obviously you... You made that a focus, and obviously, yeah. I mean, it, it was it wasn't so much my focus, but I think GT really made it a main point. Yeah, to, that we were going to hit every world. So yeah, that, and so we would GT team was always there, and uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, I would go just because they would they would send me. But it was always exciting. You know, obviously, it's great to win in the U.S. amongst your you know your more mm-hmm. local fans and people that you know, mm-hmm. but. There's something about being overseas in an international, like foreign environment, foreign crowd, and still yeah. getting support and and. and that was one of the best experiences being able to travel so far and, and you know abroad at an early age. So young as well. Did your early. parents go to all those worlds and stuff? My dad, being the, the kind of the bike shop owner, and yeah. he was kind of my mechanic, so he would oftentimes travel with me. And, yeah. and he'd be in France, like acting like a tourist, wanting to hit all the museums right. and all these different. I'm like, I don't want to do any of this yeah, stuff. I just want to focus on the race. And he'd be videotaping everything and uh, following me around. But yeah, he he was the guy kind of setting me up on my bike and making sure that I was dialed in. Have you still got all your trophies and awards and stuff? I have all my trophies. Um, I mean, I had a, I had a lot more trophies, but I remember I had so many trophies. I remember like in elementary school, I'd be giving it out. I'd be writing for like school pe- class president. I'd be like giving it out as like right. mementos. Yeah. And, like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I used to give away a lot of stuff. And like think, looking back, I, I probably gave away so much like clubs and jerseys and you uh-huh. know, bike parts. And like think now I wish I would have kind of kept some of that stuff. I had no idea. And, you didn't save much GT bikes or anything? And then my, my dad, because he had the bike shop, every mm. time I would switch out of a frame or bike, he would keep all my old stuff there. And like, I'm sure he, either sold them or mm-hmm. someone offered him something he probably just didn't even think twice about it and got rid yeah. of it I was like, hey where's my 20 inch bike from back whenever when right. he's like you th- i don't he's like i don't remember any of right. that stuff but uh when he sold the bike shop last year when he retired he did tell me there was one complete 20 inch gt bike that i had mm-hmm. that everyone was kind of asking every time someone goes in they ask if they can buy it so he still got it he still has it oh cool and yeah. i was like why did you leave it there like you know the new owners might sell it right right <laughs> so, oh so it's not even he don't even have it then he left yeah, it in the so, shop so that might if you go to the bike shop even my, even my dad so there still is like a little shrine with my picture my, oh, my aba national trophy my cup and uh my bike is still there, so oh, hopefully the, the new guys who I know, like Lonnie and Ronnie, uh, you'd easily to get a get a photo of that yeah, stuff. You know, they still have it. I think they're taking good care of it, but at some point I do have to go back and claim it. <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool if you can go back and get that. Um, you're saying you went to Korea and with the Olympics. That's probably a little bit after your time, but like now, this kind of 
BMX is happening there, right? Yeah. yeah. So when 2008, when when BMX made the made the Olympic debut, like a part of me, even though it was like you know kind of way past my prime, like part of me they still gave it a little. Yeah. Like, little, like maybe yeah. there's a chance I could kind yeah. of find a, some kind of avenue in. Obviously, yeah. I couldn't make the U.S. team. Mm. I was well, you know, too old at that point. But I thought maybe if Korea has a team, mm -hmm. you know, I haven't been born there, and like maybe there was a way. So I contacted the the, the Korean. Bicycle Federation that was in charge of the Olympics. Yeah. Sent them an email with my resume and kind of say, hey, I don't know if you guys are fielding a team, but I could represent you guys and, you know, certainly have some decent results. Yeah. And I remember I got an email back uh, saying that, oh, you could represent us in the Olympics, but you'd have to serve two years of military service. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay. I was like, no thanks. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I, I like the Olympics, but I'm not about yeah. to give up two years to no go way. to the military. But uh, funny enough, like years after that, a, a contingent group from Korea came out to California and contacted me and saying they knew who I was and mm -hmm. knew kind of my history with BMX and asked me to talk to these kind of young junior guys and kind of share with them like what I know. We went to Orange Y and did a little practice session and mm -hmm. we're taking photos together. So I think there's definitely a push to try to get that team going, but they're still pretty far away. I think Japan has made some strides in the, kind of the international scene, but mm -hmm. Korea still is a little ways away, but the smallest guy I remember meeting there is now one of the potential uh, Olympic riders. Oh, that's He's like cool. in his early twenties, and he he had a huge growth spurt. He's got he's probably got to be like six foot mm -hmm. one or two, and so uh, it's, it'd be kind of cool to see someone who I met at that small age to kind of develop and you know, make some. I think at some point, not now, but they were having like some kind of pro race there where guys would go over. It was on kind of a concretey track or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was I was in Korea at that time. Um, I think I was just there kind of, I think it might have been like 2010, 2011. Mm -hmm. I was there randomly visiting friends and family and I was there for a wedding. And then I heard on, on the internet or I read something on the internet that there was like a, a special BMX race mm -hmm. in Korea. Yeah. So I go there because I'm like curious, you know, yeah. like the track is not like the US, but you know, ends up being Pete Deluski's there. Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> and like David Herman and all these guys. Like, yeah. Oh, like, I remember a few guys went out. For yeah. That. So they, yeah. they were chipping up because I just happened to be there yeah. on my vacation <laughs> and then the, the race was there. So I went and, and kind of spoke to them. And, you know, Pete and I obviously go back from the GT days. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, it was good to kind of see that at least there was some connection to the BMX and they were making efforts to try to get it more, you know, international. Yeah. To try to make the Olympic team more uh, developed. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, being on GT with uh, Todd Corbett was all, obviously you said uh, Sivas's dad that was before my time yeah so he was a team manager and then Danny's dad right Bill yeah and then TC right so we've had three team managers where I was on yeah. GT yeah it was yeah it was, yeah, it was, it was Mike Sievers and then Bill Nelson and then kind of as I was transitioning out like 94 95 96 is when TC kind of took over so I didn't really uh, get managed by TC as much. But, you know, when I would show up here and there, like he was handling a lot of the younger riders who were mm -hmm. younger than me. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was mainly Bill Nelson, I would say is kind of the bulk of my GT years. Did you ever ride the uh, GT track in the back? You know, uh, they made like, uh, it might have said it in 96, 97, so maybe. I don't think so. No, yeah, no. I, was I was never really good at those like backyard right. like, jumping. Like I remember even, yeah, going to sheep hills a couple of times and being like so scared to jump right. anything. But you stuck to the track. I'd have to go there for like photo shoots and stuff. But I, I could I could sack myself up, but you know, mm -hmm. having multiple jumps in a row wasn't really my expertise. <laughs> right. Well, like say that was kind of coming in as you was kind of easing out, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't think I, I, I probably saw it, but I don't think I rode that track. Yeah. Backyard. So after free agents, um, and injuries, then you kind of called it a full time, full day. You never, you never came back since, or 
So 2001, I had the big crash mm -hmm. when I was with Free Agent. And then um, I think 2015, I kind of got the itch again. Right. I think that was right around the time when the, the team from Korea came to visit me. Yeah. <clears throat> so I started writing Orange just kind of here and there just for practicing. And like David Bittner was there, Barry mm -hmm. Nelson was there. And there was a local national in Ventura in 2015. Okay, I remember so I, like, so I started thinking, like, maybe I could just show up and like race the expert class, you know, like yeah. 35 to 40. I was 38 at the time. Right. So I think I practiced for like two months, pulled out like an old full-face helmet that must have been like 15 years old. <laughs> I had a specialized bike. I don't know how I got. was like right. probably 15 years old. Just putting things together, you know. And I was like, who do I call for like a bike? Who do I call? Like, I mean, mm -hmm. I was not used to not having a GT sponsorship, right? right. So I didn't really know who to contact. And I remember just being like, just having a lot of challenges, like not knowing what to get or like yeah. who to talk to. So I show up to the Ventura race and then like first round, I think I got like third or fourth. But I, because I had the big crash in 2001 clipped in, I, I decided not to wear clips, just wear regular shoes. Mm -hmm. And if you remember that race was like super windy. The track was yes. like, had like rock pebbles in it. Yeah, it was like yeah, really it was the greatest, surface. was it? No. And like, I remember my feet slipping all over the place. Mm -hmm. And then um, um, before my third lap qualifiers, I remember I saw Harry Larry like, you know, getting ready for the staging. And I told him, Did my feet are slipping all the time and it's a little windy. Like, I don't know about this, but I was in second place, third place, ready to qualify. And then over the rhythm section, I slipped my pedal Ugh. and crashed on the third or fourth and just smashed my face into the lip. Oh, I think and I remember this. Yeah. The, the full face, like, got obliterated and I, I cut my face from like nose down to my chin. I think I remember this. Split now, open yeah. my lip and yeah. I was just like bloody. I, could, I didn't even know what I looked like, but. I could tell that by the reactions of what people were like, <laughs> that I was, yeah. was pretty bad. And so that was the first race, uh, you know, people came to see me that didn't know me from prior. And so I, I obviously, I didn't qualify and I had to go to the hospital, had to get stitched up. And then the other thing was, I think it was my mother's week, uh, birthday weekend. So I showed up to my mom's house, just all bloodied. And she was like, what are you like doing? <laughs> so... I think that was probably the last official race, but yeah. I feel like throughout my years, I've definitely had multiple efforts to try to get back in, whether mm -hmm. it's like, you know, college, after college, and then, like, you know, obviously in 2015. I think but, when you come back, like, every time it's changed, the sport hasn't, it's yeah. like it's, the bikes are different now, and I clipped in, and like, yeah. so when you came in, you didn't want bike to ride. Yeah, and silly me, mm. I just thought I could just show up. You right. Know? Like, oh, I, I Wish I, you could in the, yeah, in the 80s yeah, and yeah, that, early 90s. I could just 90s. show up and, like, compete, and... Uh, I remember uh, Chris Luna was there, you know, like, who I used to race, so he was my age. And I told him, hey, let me just start off with, like, intermediate class. Like, right. Just, just to kind of ease into it. Because it's been, like, what, like, 15, 14 years? Right. And he goes, no, no, no. You can't. We're not letting you race intermediate. you got to race expert. I was like, oh, come on. So, <laughs> so I raced expert after 14 years of not racing. And I, then, obviously, my, my adrenaline's pumping and, mm -hmm. and, like, all the kind of feelings come back. And I'm, like, just pushing myself a little extra harder than I yeah. wanted to. And that's how I ended up crashing on my third lap. And, uh I went to Chris, like, I told you I should have started with Intermediate. Why did you make me race ex Expert? <laughs> and that, that was it? You never raced again? And that was it. Yeah, that was it. Uh, after that, you know, just kind of, you know, I ride my road bike once in a while, but I don't I haven't really touched the BMX bike. No. So what are you doing now then for, for work and everything and living? And give us an update on life after BMX. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a wealth advisor. So I, I help, like, clients put together financial plans and, and kind of figure out, how they want to set up their retirement and, and manage everything from their investments to their taxes, estate planning. So we obviously we have a team of people that kind of do different specializations, but mm -hmm. I'm the one kind of quarterbacking, uh, putting that plan together and facilitating like, how, to, how to make the best decisions so that, you know, you get the most out of your money. Yeah. And so I've been doing that um, ever since college. Um, I graduated college in 1999. 
and then I went to MBA school 2014. And so I've been kind of in the financial field kind of ever since the very beginning. Mm -hmm. You got a couple of daughters that keep you busy as well? Yeah, I got 10 year old twin daughters. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, like I mentioned earlier, one of them's super athletic, the other ones like has no interest in sports, but one of my girls yeah, plays girls flag football and cool. she's really into it. Hopefully that could turn out to be something. Yeah, right on. And what about uh, fitness yourself? You said you rode, you rode bike a little bit, you still go to the gym or anything? Still in pretty good shape? Yeah, I, I, I go to the gym a little bit, but I feel like after COVID, like everything's like work from home, like yeah. know, work out at home. So I, I just have some weights at home and I, I, I kind of do like the fitness apps and, mm -hmm. you know, I, I work on like a, on the uh, 12th floor and I'm always taking the stairs up and down and just oh, trying, to, yeah. trying to run around just to kind of do something. Good training around the stairs. It's funny because like when you're racing, you don't really have to. Well, back then, I guess when, as an amateur, you didn't really have to work out because you were just racing every other weekend. Yeah. So that was that was your workout. But mm -hmm. obviously, after you turn pro, you do have to be a little more formal in your training uh, regimen. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know a lot of the like the European kind of kind of brought that kind of mindset and that discipline in, right? But and I think that's why I kind of like knew I had to do something different if I was going to make a go at that you know, yeah. professional career. Cool. Um, let's wrap it up. Um, what's your thoughts on racing today? How much do you pay attention? Olympics, all this stuff. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I love I love watching it whenever I see it on social media, like Facebook, Instagram. You know, obviously, Olympics is a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Like looking at today's version of racing is like, man, it's so intimidating. I don't think I could do that mm -hmm. because I needed like a wide open flat <laughs> straight away. But I'm I'm super impressed. I mean, talk about like real Olympic athletes, right? These yeah. guys are just superb in their physique and their mentality i'm just really impressed with everyone you know, it seems like obviously you know i followed connor fields and before he got hurt in japan i was mm -hmm. really unfortunate but it seems like a lot of the non-us countries have really stepped up especially yeah. france right and like colombia and all these different so it's no longer just a u.s dominated sport no it's anymore, a little bit right? everywhere now definitely and then like the women's class is, is super fun to watch like watching elise and you know uh uh, Stancil and just thinking everyone mm -hmm. is like, they're, they're so good. I'm just so impressed with everyone there. Do you have a favorite rider these days? Uh, I mean, I really like Nick, Nick, Nick Kimmon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he seems like a really humble guy. He is, yes. You know, you know and uh, you know, Robert DeVilde and I kind of talked about him, but he's, mm -hmm. he's not only is a great athlete, but it's just the way that he kind of, he's, he's very composed and uh, his demeanor mm -hmm. is really impressive. So I kind, of, yeah. I kind of follow him a little bit. And you you, you live near Robert now as well, don't you? That's funny. Yeah. yeah. I, well, the funny thing is like, I live probably like five miles from him now, but right. at one point we were like one house away. Oh, and we wow. lived in Foothill Ranch, like one house away for about like a good four years and we didn't even know. Wow, that's funny. And I uh, was like, you live right there, I live right there. And so right. um, it's just funny how someone that I met in Holland mm -hmm. in 93 Worlds ended up kind of still yeah. circling back and, 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 and we had we had uh, dinner together just about a month ago. Yeah. Just catching up. But uh, it's, it's just it's funny going down memory lane and seeing all these people. Yeah, that's cool. Um, all right, I've got another one. Last question. What would you say, and there's been a lot, what is your, you know, you feel better, best about your best win or title? <clears throat> um, I'd probably have to say that 94 Worlds in Michigan. Mm -hmm. I think because, um, I think up until that point, like I said, I never really set a goal for myself to win a World Championship. It sort of just happened by just kind of doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. But I think that year I was extra focused and motivated having lost in 93 in Holland to, mm. to Robert. And I think because it was my last year, it was, it was really good to kind of go out on top and feel like I gave it all I had. 
Um, and so that was like the most memorable. And I felt like, okay, this is the first time I really set a goal to win. I put the effort into train and I was motivated and focused and that actually the results ended up paying off. Right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the only time I really felt like I was, I was laser focused like that. Yeah, right on. In here, it's been great chatting. I appreciate it. Thank you, Dale. I really appreciate it. Thanks. And thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time.